0: Hey everybody, it's Murder Alphabet Soup. I'm Kira. I'm back after having to take some time to deal with some unexpected life events. Uh, Just to super briefly touch on that, it has just been a really weird year for my career, you know, my day job, if you will. And um, I've had to do some figuring out with that. I'm still figuring things out with that. And also, depression and anxiety suck. Sometimes you can't even do the things you love, like podcasting in this case. But I'm back, and as far as I can see, here to stay. So now let's get back into what you came here for. Before we get back to our regularly scheduled alphabetical theme, I thought I could do a holiday minisode, since it is the Thanksgiving season. And we can talk about what is, I shit you not, one of the deadliest holidays, rivaled pretty much only by the 4th of July. And honestly, I don't think many people are surprised you're getting together with family and friends that you might not see very often, sometimes for a good reason. I mean, I can't think of any one person I've discussed family Thanksgiving with that hasn't cringed at least a little bit over the thought of what might go down. And once you factor in heart attacks, drunk driving and other things like that, it really can be a dangerous day. Let's not forget Blackout Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, which has been alleged to be one of the drunkest days in America. And, of course, I want to say before we get started, do not hurt or kill anyone on Thanksgiving, or any other day for that matter. I know your cousin Greg might be really annoying, but just talk it out like adults, okay? There are a surprising number of cases out there that involve family-on-family violence. For example, on Thanksgiving Day in 2009, Aeolus Clay Oliver, 76, was fighting with his son Keith Oliver, 49, because Keith was refusing to help out around the house that Thanksgiving Day. This escalated after the two had been, quote, arguing for hours, and Marjorie Oliver, 75, Aeolus' wife and Keith's mother, asked her son to leave. Keith refused, and his father went upstairs, retrieved a .357 caliber revolver, and shot Oliver to death. Another example took place on Thanksgiving 2012, when Shanika Alsop, 27, was fighting with her brother Deontay Antonio Wallace, 23, about the food being served. Alsup stabbed her half-brother in the neck with a serving fork. Wallace ended up surviving and also went to jail for first-degree assault, second-degree assault, and reckless endangerment. There is the Thanksgiving 2017 case of 56-year-old former youth pastor Christopher Gaddis, who shot and killed his wife Jeanette L. Gaddis, 58, stepdaughter Candace L. Coons, 30, and her boyfriend Andrew Bathorn, 36, after he told Coons and Bathorn to leave and they didn't. Later, the two of them and his wife were playing a board game, and he shot them all to death, claiming to the police that they had all ganged up on him. He pleaded guilty and received 58 years sentence. Man, oh man. But the main case we're covering today does involve family members, but not ones who turn on each other. This is the case of Byron David Smith. Aaron Smith, 64, a retired security engineering officer with the U.S. State Department, lived in Little Falls, Minnesota. In the months leading up to this case, he claimed that his house had been burglarized at least six times in the last few months, uh, but he had only reported one of those to police, and the police only found evidence of two previous burglaries. One of those two appeared to have happened in the garage, but Smith appeared to not have any knowledge of this when the police brought it up to him. The stolen property included $4,000 in cash, his father's POW watch, which he had received um, in World War II, coins from his coin collection, a chainsaw, medals and ribbons that Smith had earned in the Air Force during uh, his time in the Vietnam War, several firearms and jewelry. After this, Smith had started wearing a holster with a loaded firearm pretty much at all times inside of his home, and he also had a video surveillance system installed. There is some evidence that Haley Kiffer, 17, and Nicholas Brady, 18, who were actually cousins um, and who is, are about to come into this case, committed the previous break-ins, and Brady was actually being investigated for prior burglaries, including one that happened earlier that day, on the day of this case. On November 22nd, 2012, Thanksgiving, by his own account to the police, Smith was visiting neighbors when he saw Kiffer driving towards his house. He then made the comment that he needed to get ready for her and made his way back to his house. Smith drove his truck down the road and parked it in front of a neighbor's house. He then went down to his basement where there was a chair that was kind of tucked away out of view from when you were coming down the stairs. There he had guns, water, and granola bars that he had stashed there. He also at this time took the light bulbs out of the ceiling and turned on the audio recorder. About an hour later, Smith heard a window break upstairs, which you can hear on the audio that he recorded on his device. And about 12 minutes later, Brady was at the top of the stairs and he started to make his way down to the basement. Smith shoots Brady twice on the stairs and he shoots him once in the head after he falls down to the bottom of the stairs. He wraps his body in a tarp and drags him into another room. Smith then goes back upstairs, returns about 10 to 15 minutes later and reloads his gun and gets back in his original position. Minutes later, Kiffer can be heard entering the home and calling her cousin's name. She then starts to make her way down the stairs, and Smith shoots her, and she falls down the stairs. He then shoots her in the torso and next to her left eye with a twenty-two single single-action revolver. He is dragging her across the floor, and during all this, he's calling her names. You can hear him call her Bitch, and she's screaming. He then shoots her a final time under the chin, which was a fatal shot. Smith didn't report this to police until the following day. His reasons for that was that he didn't want to bother the police on Thanksgiving. Okay. Morrison County Sheriff Michael Wetzel acknowledged that Brady and Kiffer were there to burglarize Smith's residence, like they were breaking in, and evidence recovered from the car driven by Brady was linked to a burglary of the residence of a retired teacher the night before all of this happened with Smith. But there was the question with all of this of why did he have to take it as far as killing them? Once he had already wounded them and he knew that they were unarmed, why didn't he just call the police from there? In Smith's statement to police, he said that Kiffer had let out a short laugh after she fell down the stairs, saying, "If you're trying to shoot somebody and they laugh at you, you go again." But The audio recording didn't capture any laughing. You actually hear her say, oh, God, and she's like crying out. I didn't hear a laugh. And you can find like the recording online that you can listen to. No one was laughing. So, yeah, you can't. I mean, at least from what I could hear that I think maybe he was just hearing what he wanted to hear. But of course, that's, you know, my opinion. In police interviews, Smith acknowledged firing more shots than he needed to. There is a law in Minnesota called the Castle Doctrine, which in short basically states that if an intruder unlawfully enters a person's abode or house or car or, you know, property that the person owns, then the owner has the right to use self-defense up to deadly force if they are a threat to your life and you can't get away, basically. And, of course, it has a lot going on that you can read yourself because it would take forever to read the entire doctrine here, but that's the basic idea. Sheriff Wetzel said that, quote, the law doesn't permit you to execute somebody once the threat is gone, end quote. Smith had moved his truck earlier in the day, claiming that he had done this in order to clean his garage, Um, But prosecutors argued at his trial that it was an attempt to make the house look abandoned in order to lure burglars into his home, which made the case inconsistent with self-defense because there was an element of premeditation. Smith also recorded at least six hours of audio on a digital recorder in the basement prior to the break-in. He's heard saying, quote, in your left eye, end quote, and quote, I realize I don't have an appointment, but I would like to see one of the lawyers here, end quote. And, of course, there was the evidence that Kipper had been shot in the left eye, and the prosecution took this under consideration. And they also alleged that the other statement was a rehearsal for what he would have to say after the shooting, um, which was an indication that he knew that, you know, he would be needing an attorney soon. After the shootings happen in the audio recording, you can hear Smith talking uh, to himself. And he's saying that he feels like he's cleaning up a mess in a way and doing his civic duty and that the police wouldn't do it and only he could do it like he had to do it. Smith was initially charged with two counts of second degree murder. However, in April of 2013, he was indicted on two counts of first degree murder. Bail was later set for him at $50,000. On April 29th 2014, about a year later, Byron David Smith was found guilty on two counts of first-degree murder with premeditation and on two counts of second-degree murder after three hours of jury deliberation. He was immediately sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The jury stated that the audio recording was the most damning evidence um, and that that paired with Smith's statements immediately following the arrest is really what drove the jury to this decision. And there's not a stand your ground law in Minnesota, but it's instead a reasonable person doctrine. So like, what would an average person do in this situation? And the answer to that is basically Once, uh, you know, you've shot the person and the threat is gone, you wouldn't immediately go and and execute them if you didn't fear for your own personal safety. You would just call the cops. So, um, you know, that's what kind of broke the whole castle doctrine thing and, you know, contributed to this decision. Wes Hattlestad, I think is how you say it. One of 12 jurors said following the trial, quote, that audio recording of the actual killings and the audio recording of Mr. Smith's interview immediately after his arrest pretty much convinced me that we were dealing with a deranged individual, end quote. He may not have been convicted if that recording didn't exist. And I don't even know why he really recorded it. I mean, maybe he thought that it would help his case, that it would be proof that they were breaking in, like, you know, that they were in fact breaking in. I don't really know, but it ended up being what got him that sentence. And they did break into his house, like, no one made them break in. And I understand him being really mad about the stuff that got stolen, like his dad's POW watch. Like, that sucks. But you can't just kill people when they're unarmed and you've subdued them, you know, at least in some way, and they're not a threat to your life anymore, at least not in Minnesota. Either way, it's sad for everyone involved. But I hope that you all have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And if you don't celebrate it, I hope you have a good week, as always. I personally am not going anywhere. I'm cooking a two-person dinner with my boyfriend and gonna have some drinks, watch some scary movies, and that's about it. I want to know what movies you guys put on repeat for Thanksgiving, because I know every family has one. Growing up, mine always played The Godfather on loop. But you can tell me that by heading to the Instagram. I always post there for episodes and whatnot. Um, And thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next time.